Well, this weekend was great for us. We went to the fellowship meeting that we were talking to you about for a couple of weeks, and uh, the messages were terrific. Uh, uh, We had a a really big crowd there Friday night and had the great messages. The fellowship was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. I wish more of you had been able to go with us, but uh, those of us who went were encouraged and strengthened by it. And uh, so Benjamin and Megan have already heard like uh, five messages over this weekend. (laughs) So they just walked out. No, they're just putting, they're putting their instruments away. That's all they're doing. So, uh. hey, I am glad that you are here. We have done a series on Sunday morning on prayer. Started out looking at what it means to pray in Jesus' name. By the way, all of those messages on the whole series are available on our website and through our podcast, and you can listen to those, download those, uh, and be encouraged in how God is at work through our prayers. And so this morning, we're going to conclude that whole series uh, with a question. Does God want to hear your prayers? You sure about that? Whose prayers does God not want to hear? Okay. Let's look. You know, the Bible sheds a lot of light on our theology. So, hey, if you can, some of you will catch on there. In Matthew chapter 5, I have a bunch of, we're having issues with the PowerPoint. We had to redo the whole thing this morning, and so it may work, it may not. I have a bunch of verses that we're not going to have you turn to, because it's just a lot. And eventually, I'll catch up to you in Matthew chapter 6. We'll be there in a little bit. And if the PowerPoint starts working, then it'll work, and Tim will join in where we are. Uh, but we're going to move and just listen to these verses. It's easier because it's quite a few of them. It's easier if you can see it and hear it. But I don't want you focusing so much on turning to this and this and this and this. So. Does God want to hear your prayers? Did you know there are times in the Bible when God said, don't bother praying? In fact, he specifically did not want to hear the prophet Jeremiah praying for the people of Judah when he had already pronounced judgment against them. He said, Jeremiah, don't pray for them. Listen. Jeremiah 7.16, Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. He's telling the prophet, don't pray for them. I've already pronounced judgment on them. Again, in chapter 11, verse 11, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will surely bring calamity on them which they will not be able to escape, though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Uh, Later in that same chapter, verse 14, So do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry, or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. Chapter 14, verse 10, Thus says the Lord to this people, Thus, 
They have loved to wander. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. So God is repeatedly saying, I'm not going to listen to their prayers. Jeremiah, do not pray for them. Then he says in Jeremiah 33, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, a second time, while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name, call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. See, this is very important for us to understand. God would listen to Jeremiah's personal prayer But he demanded that the prophet not pray for those upon whom he had already decreed judgment. Don't pray for them. God, if Jeremiah had prayed for them, he would have been sinning against God. Now, stop for just a minute. Doesn't that kind of mess with your head? Doesn't it? I mean, we are always taught that God will always listen to you. God loves you. He wants to hear from you. And that's partially true. Everything but the always part. God does always love you. But he doesn't always listen. He puts specific limitations on to whom he will listen and when. And so, number two, he did not hear the prayers of those who are living in rebellion unless they prayed a prayer of true repentance. He would not hear the prayers of those living in rebellion unless it was a prayer of true repentance. So uh, Isaiah chapter 1 says in verse 15 through 18, wash you, spread out your hands. I'm sorry, when you spread out your hands, like that's the way they would pray. Often today we pray like this. They would pray spreading out their hands. So he says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. My younger sister was a translator to the deaf. And she said, when the deaf got in an argument and one wanted to stop listening, the deaf don't do this, they do this. So then they can't hear you. Sorry if my hearing aid screeched there, I forgot. Uh, When you spread your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. God's saying, I'm not looking. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear because your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doing from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. He, He will always hear the prayer of true repentance. How often will he hear the prayer of true repentance? What prayer will he always hear? True repentance. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Isaiah 1.18 Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
weather. I don't know if you've ever seen a whole lot of blood in one area, uh, but God says, no matter how much blood, how much the stain, no how much how evil, it, I will just wash it clean, completely clean. So he is not going to hear the prayer of Jeremiah. In fact, he specifically told Jeremiah not to pray for them, and he would not hear the prayers of those living in repent in rebellion unless they prayed a prayer of true repentance, because he always hears that. Number three, he would disregard the prayers of a husband who is not cherishing his wife. How many of you ladies think that's a cool concept? (laughs) He won't hear the prayers of a husband unless he's cherishing his wife. When I do pre-marriage counseling, I come to this passage and always tell the wives, this could be your favorite Bible verse. And I share this verse with the couple. Listen to what it says, 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding. What does that mean? It doesn't say dwell with your wives with annoyance. With understanding. See, Randy George does not have the mental capacity to understand women. Do you, Randy? No. You know, I remember when uh, Jim Reeves and I went down to Mexico with Steve Rubio, and I think Jim and Jerry had been married like 37 years or something at the time, and, and Steve says to, to Jim, he says, Mr. Reeves, tell me, he says, uh, you've been married a long time and have a great marriage. He said, when is it that you begin to understand women? And Jim says, I don't know, haven't been married long enough yet. <laughs> okay, listen. You Guys, you do not have to understand women, but you better understand your wife. You need to know what makes her tick and what makes her ticked. And the sooner you know the difference, the better. God wants you to dwell with her with understanding. So you are learning her. You're learning her ways and helping and ministering. And he adds, giving honor to the wife. Not the little woman who walks ten paces behind you, but giving honor to her. One of the ways we can do that is if there's a load to carry, you carry the heavy load and and you open doors and giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Somebody gave me this illustration years ago. Ironically, he treated his wife badly, walked out on her, left her, uh, but years and years ago, when we were young and in Bible college, uh, a guy taught me this illustration. He said, treat your wife like crystal, not Tupperware. You know, when my brothers and I, we had those little Tupperware glasses, we'd finish, we'd do a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hook shot into the sink. And if you nailed it, it would stay in there. If you didn't, it would bounce all over and make a mess. Mom loved the fact that we did that. But listen, it. he says... You guys, you got to do the heavy lifting. So, if both husband and wife are working full-time jobs, maybe the wife should get a break and the husband should do the house cleaning because he treats her as if she were the weaker vessel. doesn't mean she is weaker. Kathy can do work in the yard that I can't do because of my arthritis and other stuff. She just moved two tons of rock a couple weeks ago. Did a great job. Wore me out bringing lemonade to her while she worked. But 
But I, I can't do it, and she can. But I have to treat her as if she were the weaker one. And cherish your wife. So, guys, God's going to disregard your prayers. What? Wait a minute. What if I'm praying for a missionary? What if I'm praying for our church? God doesn't listen. If you're not cherishing your wife, God said that. I didn't, as our speaker said this weekend, I didn't slip that in the Bible last night. God put it in there in the beginning. I liked that. Number four, he would not listen to the prayers of those who were choosing to sin. You see it on the screen? Read it with me. Psalm 66, 18. Ready? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Wow. God will not listen. Number five, he was offended by the prayers of those who ignored his word. What's the last word on the screen here? Abomination. What is an abomination? Now, I know when I was a kid, I'd, I'd, abomination, I would always think of the abominable snowman. You know? Okay, it is not the abominable snowman. It's nothing cute and cuddly once you pull out its teeth. It, abomination is something God finds despicable. So here's an illustration for you. If there's some food that you detest so much that once it's in your mouth and your mouth tastes that food, you hurl it out. That's an abomination. So for me, Brussels sprouts are an abomination. But Proverbs 28.9, one who turns away from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. See, there's this church that runs around and protesting all over the country and holding up signs, and they say, homosexuality is an abomination. The Bible says that. That's what God said. It's not God's intent. It's not God's plan. God can forgive any sin, and those who repent and leave he will re restore them completely, but this church runs around saying God hates those people. Look at the cross. Jesus died for their sins on the cross. He didn't hate them. He loves them, cares for them. And so the church that's out there ranting and raving and spreading these lies contrary to God's word, God said they are just as much of an abomination as the people they're protesting. Sometimes prayers are an abomination. Isn't that kind of an interesting concept? Number six, he didn't pay attention to those who wanted the praise of the people around them when they were praying. I asked you earlier to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Hopefully you're there. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. <laughs> they would rehearse their prayers. They, they would get home and they would sound it out and they'd rehearse their stance and their prayer and make sure it sounded really spiritual. And then they would go out to someplace public and they would stand on the street corner and they would pray aloud to God and they would be dramatic in their prayer. 
I always feel a little awkward praying in public because I get tongue-tied sometimes. When I'm praying in private, when it's just God and I, I can get all mixed up and I know God understands. But in public, I worry sometimes the people won't understand what I'm saying. But they were trying to get the praise of people. They wanted people, people to sit around and say, Whoa! Have you heard him pray? When he prays, you just feel closer to God. That, that's not good. In fact, if you have somebody praising you for your prayers, maybe you should stop praying in public. It's, it's okay. If when you pray, people's hearts feel drawn to God, that's a good thing. But I've known several people over the years and course of my life, and people have just really been in awe of their prayers. And I think they should back off a little. But especially if you're trying to get the attention of people. God said, I'm not listening. (laughs) He says, they have their reward. They wanted to impress people, and they might have impressed people, But God said, they didn't impress me. Number seven, he stopped listening when they repeated meaningless phrases instead of praying from their hearts. Um, Matthew chapter six, verse seven and eight. When you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So it's not wrong to pray for something and then pray again and then pray again. But have you ever sat with somebody I have when they prayed over and over and over and over, saying the same thing over and over and over and over, or people who use rosary beads or chants and memorize prayers, like uh, the Book of Common Prayer. I brought that out Wednesday night. We talked about that a little. Uh, that They just repeat these prayers over and over and over. That's, that's not praying from your heart. God doesn't listen to those repetitive prayers. (laughs) The other day, I was listening to the grandkids talk to Megan, and I heard them say, Mama, 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 Mom. I I said to Megan later, I said, how can you stand it? It was just repetitive, 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 repetitive. God can't stand it when you're just repetitive. It's okay to pray and then pray again and then pray again. He doesn't care that you pray for the same thing. If you've got kids, grandkids, family that's not walking with the Lord, you should be praying for them urgently, repetitively, but don't just say the same words over and over and over and over. Share the burden of your heart over and over, but don't use empty words or meaningless phrases. Number eight, he did not want to hear someone bragging about his personal religious activity. Uh, You can turn, it's not on the screen there, Luke 18. Bragging about his personal religious activity. And and this is a a combination of two different times of prayer when uh, a Pharisee prays and, and then a tax collector, publican prays. But listen to what the Pharisee says in Luke 18, verse 11. 
the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Focusing on his own personal religious activities. And God said, that prayer didn't make it all the way to heaven. But the other guy, he was on his knees and said, be merciful to me, a sinner. God heard that prayer. Why? Because he always hears the prayer of true repentance. Always. But he doesn't hear the prayer of those who brag about their religious activities. Turn please to the book of James. Toward the end of the Bible, if you get to Revelation, you went a little too far. The book of James, chapter 4. We're going to look at several passages in James. Number nine, he refused to listen when they focused on their own wants instead of pursuing a closer relationship with him. They had wrong motives. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that ye may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So he said, I'm not listening to those prayers. You just want to indulge yourself and gimme, gimme, gimme. God doesn't listen. And then, Number 10, he did not want to hear the prayers of someone who was not trusting him while they were praying. In chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This summer we had the opportunity to go to the beach in San Clemente, and I had never been, none of us had ever been there. And the waves were really, it slopes off quickly, so the waves were really harsh and they slammed us around. And, and I went out to take Anna out to ride on the, Boogie board, and we got out there, and boom, we got, and then we got up, and I got her back on the board, and boom, we got hit again. I got her on the board and gave her one good ride, and we both said, that's enough. Uh, and uh, it just was vicious, and, and the waves, they just go and go and go, and, and one time I got tipped upside down in the wave, and it wasn't particularly pleasant. But when you pray without believing, it's just like the waves. Tossing and tossing and turning and no stability. So, I want to give you three simple truths to help you pray more effectively and then three simple practices to help you pray. You say, man, that was all the introduction? No, that's the message too. Does God always want to hear your prayers? No. Not if you're not praying appropriately. Not if your heart's not in the right place. Not, not. If your heart is not in the right place, God does not want to listen. If you're praying for the wrong things, God is not listening. So, 
God will always hear a genuine prayer from your heart to His heart. He doesn't just always hear the prayer of repentance. He always hears the genuine prayer of His kids. Just like Megan with the little ones going, Mama, Mama, Mama. God always hears the genuine prayers of His kids. So how do we make sure our prayers are genuine? This is not learn to pray like me and God will listen. These are just some principles you can put to use in your life. Three simple truths to help you pray more effectively. Number one, acknowledge that God wants you to pray to Him. Are you in the book of James still? James chapter 4, verse number 2. You lust and do not have You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not. You do not have because you do not ask. God wants you to ask. He wants you to ask with the right motive, for the right reason. But you need to acknowledge God wants you to pray to Him. You don't have to go to God and say, Oh God, I know you're sick of hearing from me. That's not God. Every time you say, Heavenly Father, God says, yes, my child. He's listening. He's delighted to hear. Jeremiah 33.3, we read uh, three of those verses. Just the third, call unto me and I will answer thee. I will answer thee. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Does God want to hear you pray? Yes. With the right motive, with the right heart, God wants to hear your prayer. Number two, trust that God delights to care for His children. Trust that He delights to care for His children. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But in the context, He's already pronouncing woes upon the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida, Tyre, Sidon, and Capernaum. And He's fussing about those cities and He's explaining to them they have to expect God's judgment because they have rejected Him. And then in the middle of all that, actually toward the end, as He wraps all that up, then He says, come unto me. Come unto me. You don't have to face that judgment. Come to me. John 10, He said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. When you you doubt His love, look at the cross. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He loves us. He cares for us. He's going to prepare a place for us. He's going to come back and receive us unto Himself. Because He loves and cares for us. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He trusts that God delights to care for His children. And number three, submit to God's control over the circumstances of your life. He has the ability to do whatever He determines is best. He knows everything. He perfectly understands the future. He knows the contingencies and the ramifications of everything. And He has promised, He has personally committed to only allow in your life that which He can use for good. Romans 8, 28 and 29. He will work it toward good in your life to help you become more like Jesus Christ. 
So believe that God will always do what is best. Always. And then three simple practices to help you pray more effectively. If you can mark your spot here in James, I want you to turn to Colossians. And we're going to go a little bit back and forth just for a moment. Not long. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, and then we're going to jump back to James chapter 5, and then we're going to go back to Colossians chapter 4. So if you can possibly hold those out. So three simple practices to help you pray more effectively. Number one is persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, to persist, to continue. Uh, Jesus told the story in Luke 18 of a, a widow who went to a judge and wanted the judge to rule in her favor, and the judge wouldn't even hear her case. And so she went back and went back and went back, and finally the judge said, listen, I'm getting weary of this. I'm going to give in. I'm going to do what she wants. And then Jesus said, did you hear what the unjust judge said? He said, by your her continuing to go to him, he wants to do what she wants. How much more will your heavenly Father, who already loves you, answer your prayers? In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul prayed about his thorn in the flesh. And how many times did he pray? How many times did he pray? Thrice. Three. King James thrice. New King James three. Okay, he prayed three times. What does that mean? Well, I heard this preacher in Texas say, when I pray for something, I pray for it three times, and then I just leave it with the Lord. If three was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it ought to be good enough for me. And this whole room full of people all said, Amen! And Kathy and I looked at each other like, What? Why did Paul only pray three times? God answered him. If God hadn't answered, we have no idea how many times he would have prayed. He might have prayed 17 times or 100 times. He would have persisted in prayer until he felt God answer. Now, if you're trying to talk God into something in prayer, go ahead and keep your mouth shut. He's not listening. But if you're genuinely seeking him, seeking his heart, seeking his will, Persist in prayer. Secondly, pray from your heart. Pray from your heart. I said we were going to jump back to James 5. Look there. James 5, verse 16. says, Confess your trespasses or sins to one another. This doesn't mean that you have to come and confess your sins to me so I can absolve you. We're all believer priests. But there are times when you need to share it with a brother or sister in Christ so they can partner with you to help you have the victory. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is a passionate prayer from your heart. And then he gives the illustration that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed uh, earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three years and six months. That's even drier than we are. 
And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. So pray with passion. Pray from your heart. Psalm 62, 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart unto him. God is a refuge for us. Pray from your heart. Back in Colossians chapter 4, he said, continue, that's persisting in prayer, earnestly. That's from your heart. Being vigilant with thanksgiving. That's from your heart. You're putting yourself into it. Prayer is not just a thank you for this food in Jesus' name, amen. No, prayer is really putting your heart into it to communicate with God. So persist in prayer, pray from your heart, and the the last simple practice that can help you pray more effectively is to pursue an eternal focus. Back here in Colossians, he says, Paul's praying uh, in verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3 of Colossians. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. What does it mean when he says, I'm in bonds or I'm in chains? What does that mean? He's in prison. He is in prison for preaching Christ. And he's saying, pray for me. Pray uh, not for physical deliverance. God, get me out of here. Like that video we saw earlier. That wasn't the prayer. Not even for emotional deliverance. Ease my suffering, lessen my pain. No, the prayer was for spiritual deliverance. That God would provide opportunities for the Apostle Paul to share the word. That Paul would be faithful to seize those opportunities and share the word, even with his guards. And we read later uh, that Paul said uh, that some, even in Caesar's household, have come to Christ because he was faithful sharing even in his bonds. So, does God want to hear your prayers? Yes. When you pray with the right heart, with the right motive, seeking Him, He really wants to hear. James 4.8, draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. He wants you to meet with Him in prayer and connect with Him. So if you're truly praying from your heart, seeking His wisdom, His guidance, and His forgiveness, if you're passionate and persistent and developing an eternal focus, if you love and respect Him, then God delights to hear your prayer. He delights to connect with you with prayer. He delights to fellowship with you. God is always willing to fully connect with you. But are you putting forth the time and effort to truly connect with Him. There are times when our prayers are empty and meaningless. God said so in His Word. And there are times when our prayer connects our heart to His heart. That's what we need to seek in our prayers.